0: If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just wanna talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for worship. We thank you for your presence here in this place. And now I pray, O God, that you would move in a powerful way, send your Holy Spirit afresh upon me, upon each of us, that we may hear with joy what you say to us today through your word. We pray this in the name of Jesus. May the people of God say, Amen. We'll be in Acts chapter 2, beginning in the 42nd verse in just a moment. If you want to find that on your phone or in your Bible, uh, that would be a wonderful thing to do so that you can kind of follow along as we go. Last Sunday, we launched uh, a sermon series called Back to Church. We're spending August and September sort of re-engaging the mission and vision God has given our church. We're hearing from our primary ministry teams, each for two Sundays, Uh, These ministry teams are organized around our church's mission, which you just said. Our mission is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ, to know Him, love Him, serve Him, and share Him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. Those four teams form our network of staff and ministry structure. So it's important that we hear from each one as we go. Next week, we'll start hearing from the Share Him team. Mark and I will be taking turns talking about Uh, the ministry of the Share Him team. Are you in here first? And then Mark's in here next week, and then I'll be in here the week after that. But whichever one you choose to come to, you need to stay for two weeks because we're doing the same sermon twice. So you don't want to repeat. I'm giving you an early warning. Don't uh, don't jump around next week or you'll get a, a repeat. Well, starting next week. This is the second week for the Know Him team. Uh, Andrew Gilmore is our team lead for that ministry team. He's preaching in the sanctuary today, and, and you've got me here with you as we unpack a little more about this important team and its work. Last Sunday, we heard the Great Commission from Matthew chapter 28. Do you remember the five important moves in Matthew 28? Jesus told His disciples to go, therefore... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing, that's the third one, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you, says Jesus. And remember, that's the fifth one, remember that I am with you always, even to the end of the age when we turn to the book of Acts, which is where we are today, we get a real sense of what this what this actually looked like from the very beginning moments of the Christian church. We also learn even more about God's hope for how the church would look and feel and act. To get a little bit of context, Pentecost has happen, happened happened. Peter has preached a magnificent sermon. The Holy Spirit fell on this crowd of people. 3,000 folks responded, were baptized into this thing that God was doing in Jesus. That's day one of the Christian church, day one. Let's pick up right there and see what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Let us hear the word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone. Everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day... The Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The Word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Now, right away, verse 42, we discover these four markers of devotion in the early church. And they really do need our careful attention. Did you catch the four? Teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. Teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. The outflow of this unusual devotion included signs and wonders, people willingly giving and sharing with one another, worship and praise of God, glad and generous hearts, and the Lord adding daily those who were being saved. The first marker is teaching. It's didache in the Greek, didache, teaching. It's the teaching, the instruction of the people. Early on, it was probably the content of Peter's sermon, which you can read in the book of Acts. It is Matthew 28, teaching them to obey all that I, Jesus, have commanded you. There's even a document called the Didache, which comes from the first or second century. Its full title is, The Lord's Teaching Through the Twelve Apostles to the Nations. It's a very early body of teaching about Jesus and about the Christian faith. We've always been a people interested in learning from Jesus. We still order our community of faith around the teaching of Jesus, don't we? That's what the Know Him team helps us do, to order our community around the teaching of Jesus. The second marker is fellowship. Now, that word is koinonia in the Greek, koinonia. Can you say that? Oh, sounded kind of sad. Say it again, Koinonia. That's better. We, we even have a Sunday school class named the koinonia class. That particular word really just occurs right here in the New Testament, but Paul talks a whole lot about fellowship and its implications. There's a great theologian whom Andrew and I really enjoy. His name is N.T. Wright, and he, he helps us think deeply about koinonia and its role in the life of the church today. He, he says this kind of fellowship was more than friendship... But never less than friendship did you get that more than friendship, but never less than friendship it 's also a lot more than just shared beliefs and values. Sometimes we get into trouble uh, hunting for groups to which we might belong, we might like to belong we We think we 're looking for Christian fellowship, but what we're actually looking for is a group that has shared beliefs and values. You know what I'm talking about? We like to find groups like that, shared beliefs and values. Uh, We often find shared beliefs and values within the Christian fellowship, but you may be surprised to learn that's not the promise of koinonia. Koinonia is so much more than that. It's more like a loving family partnership that binds people together. In the koinonia, we belong to each other in this shared enterprise of loving Jesus and one another. Now, that's different than something in a club or a group that just makes us happy. Understanding this truly biblical definition of Christian fellowship is absolutely vital. When we trade this koinonia in for the lesser version, which is much more comfortable and actually much more common in the Christian church today, our churches tend to become homogenous echo chambers where we are never really challenged by the call of the gospel the gospel which is forming God's single worldwide family made up of every follower of Jesus. The truth of the matter is, real Christian fellowship is not always comfortable because It puts us squarely in the presence of each other with great vulnerability, and it invites us to care for, love, and take responsibility for each other in the face of our differences of thought, opinion, and whatever. If you've ever experienced this koinonia, you know how beautiful it is, but you also probably know how hard it can be to hold on to each other as we ride through the chaos of life together with Jesus and each other. The third marker of devotion, we don't need the Greek, it's just uh, the breaking of bread. We know about breaking of bread, don't we? It's probably a reference to the Lord's Supper, but in the first century, this was really a big deal. It truly was sharing a meal together, which would have included Holy Communion, I think we could learn so much from the early church about this. When we talk about real Christian fellowship, the kind which our baptism creates as God gives us to each other, we find that we really can't do real Christian fellowship without breaking bread together, can we? We just can't do it without breaking bread together, sharing life together, eating together. It all happened around the table. It still happens around the table. It happens in that fellowship hall every Sunday when uh, we go through a thousand cups of coffee and enough breakfast to open a Burger King every Sunday. (laughs) Goodness, y'all are hungry when you get here on Sunday morning. Walls fall as we break bread together. Our koinonia deepens beyond just a shared love of gravy and biscuits. (laughs) E.N.T. Wright says, This fellowship, the kind that we read about in Acts 2, is to encourage one another, to build one another up in faith, to pray with and for one another, to learn from one another, to teach one another, to set one another the example, to follow and it challenges us to take up urgent tasks that we need to perform together. There's a whole lot happening when we break bread together in this fellowship, this koinonia. The last marker we find in Acts two forty-two, they devoted themselves to the prayers, the prayers. What does Luke mean exactly? I think he means public worship together like what's happening in here right now. I think he also means daily prayer at the hours of prayer, 3, 6, 9, 12, every three hours, the hours of prayer. I think he also means family prayer and devotional time, which were such a part of the early church. I think he also means individual prayer and devotion. I think this is a catch-all term for what we often refer to today as spiritual disciplines. That's what it means to devote ourselves to the prayers. In my mind, this is the spiritual power of Undergirding the work of the church still today, the source of the spiritual power. Frankly, I I think we don't really pay enough attention to the prayers in our homes and in our churches, too. I came across a book uh, probably about 15 years ago. It was called Too Busy Not to Pray. Too Busy Not to Pray. It was absolutely transformative to me because it flipped a switch in my brain. (laughs) But to tell you the whole truth, I picked up that book because I thought it said, too busy to pray. That's what I thought it said, too busy to pray, which is what I was feeling, what I still often feel. I was hoping to find some kind of shortcut for all this prayer work that the scriptures talk about. I thought, oh, it's going to be in this book, too busy to pray. This man understands. Well, the point of the book, there is no shortcut for the prayers. There is no shortcut, which is why this is such an important marker for the church still today. You put all of these together and look at the outflow again, verses 43 to 47, signs and wonders, people willingly giving and sharing with one another, worship and praise of God, glad and generous hearts, and the Lord adding to their number each day those who were being saved. You find that This just doesn't happen when we show up for an hour a week, eat a few snacks, and go home. There is a whole lot more to this thing called discipleship than just that. The real gift of the gospel is this invitation into a deeper life with God and each other. It is a life of meaning and purpose and relationship and hope, which generates life beyond anything we could ever imagine. It is finding new life in Jesus Christ. This is how it happens through this intentional Christian discipleship. Our Know Him team is teaching us that this work happens best in a discipleship community it might be a Sunday school class, it might be a a life group, a Bible study group, whatever it is, when these four markers of devotion are present, and when you gather in the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to show up in powerful ways which inspire, nurture, provide, and save, save all of us and the world. If you're ready to move from, as we said last week, from just surviving to thriving, you might think about getting in one of these intentional discipleship communities. I can tell you from the outset, they are not perfect, and they're not always easy, but my goodness, the fruit which God brings is absolutely incredible. Let's go back to our own Koinonia Sunday School class Paula Thomas was a member of that class. Some of y'all are in here today. Paula Thomas was a member of that discipleship community. She had been for many, many years. I guess it was two, three years ago, two and a half years ago now, we got word that uh, some cancer she had dealt with had come back, was very aggressive. Uh, we learned that she was in for an arduous journey of treatment. She went to Boston to pursue the most aggressive treatment plan that they could find anywhere The Koinonia class invited the preachers to come and pray one morning, to pray with them for Paula, for her husband Earl, who's in a different class. He's still with us. I'll tell you what, it was a moving experience for this preacher. You just imagine a whole room full of precious people whose hearts are broken about their dear friend. Here is Paula sitting right in the middle of the room, They've been following Jesus for so long. They've shared joys, sadness, tragedies, happiness, weddings, funerals, everything you can imagine. Paula is sitting in a chair right in the middle of them. She, even then, she looked so frail. They said, preacher, pray for Paula. And so I did. I knelt down there with her. I did my best job. I prayed a long prayer. I covered everything I thought I could cover. I anointed her with oil, but then... They started praying. They started praying for their Paula. They were naming children, family members, praying for specific things and situations that only your closest friends would know. They were describing before the Lord Paula's own worries and anxieties. She didn't have to say anything, they knew. They knew what she was dealing with, and they told the Lord all about it. They were celebrating her strengths, giving hope to her, to her family. They prayed for Earl. They promised themselves to, to help with this whole situation. And after all of that was over, we preachers got included on a, a text and email chain People were traveling with her to Boston. They were checking on Earl, sending food, tending to the daughters, helping manage this absolutely nightmare scenario and praying for them all day, every day. She died. She did die. She went on to her full and final healing. She died wrapped in love. More than friendship, more than friendship, never less than friendship. I couldn't help but think... How incredible to be part of something like this, koinonia, following Jesus together for so very long. It isn't easy. It is not easy. Don't fool yourself. It's not easy at all. And a lot of folks just feel absolutely too busy to koinonia. A lot of folks feel that, including myself, too busy to koinonia. Perhaps we would all do well to learn that actually we are too busy to not koinonia. Don't miss it. Find your discipleship community now. Deepen the one that you are in. It could be the most important next step you will ever take in your journey with Jesus. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, may the people of God say, Amen.